this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 1030 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Good morning. Rachel, just a beautiful song. Thank you so much. Well, last week I was on vacation and I heard that not only uh, while I was gone, our summer intern Caleb Irvin preached and we had a new member join and he got you out of church and beat the Baptist and Methodist to Cracker Barrel. So I figured I needed to get back. Before they're calling their next new senior minister, don't be surprised, Caleb, if you get a call one day. So here it is. I, uh, in my very non-scientific poll that I did about, from all of you, of your favorite stories of Jesus, this story, our scripture today, was mentioned the most as your favorite story from Jesus. As I mentioned in my weekly email, it is the longest recorded conversation Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels, and it happens to be with a person who's not of his own faith, a Samaritan woman, and not just any woman, but a woman with a very painful past. Church, this is who Jesus is. Full disclosure, I happen to think it's a long passage to read out loud publicly, but I wanted you to hear the whole story of the encounter with the woman at the well. So I'm going to read in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 5 through 29 today, and I invite you to read along with me. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. 
When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? What a story. Why do you think so many of us love this story of the woman at the well? It's what I've been asking myself all week long. Why do we love this story? And it actually happens to be one of your favorite stories of Jesus. I truly would love to hear why you love it. I'm well aware that this is a one-way conversation today, and I'd love to hear why this story means something to you. We know this woman was different from Jesus. She was a Samaritan. Samaritans shared some common religious ancestry, but they, from first century Judaism, they were considered uh, intermixed. Their faith was wrong. The two groups absolutely tried to avoid each other. And here is Jesus. We learned from the very beginning of the story. Here is Jesus passing through, on purpose, Samaritan country. He's already pushing the boundaries of separation between people. He's by himself at the well. He's taking a little siesta. He's thirsty. It's noon. Do you know what noon in the Middle East feels like? July in Kentucky. (laughs) I speak the truth. This is when Jesus sees this Samaritan woman coming to the well. She's by herself. Historically, water fetching has been a job left for women and girls. It still very much is in many parts of the world. You go to the river, you go to the well to get water for your whole day. But she has come at the hottest time of the day. Most women would start their day in the early cool hours by getting water. She has come at noon. Why? First century listeners would have found this to be very odd about her. And the scripture doesn't actually say why she comes, so we can only surmise. Did she come to avoid people, avoid stares, avoid commentary? Was she just the low man on the totem pole at her house and she was told that she had to go and so that's what she's doing? Maybe she goes at that time of day just to avoid what I sometimes call the pity look. Do you know what I mean when I say the pity look? Uh, someone I love in my family lost her daughter when she was 16 years old to a car wreck. And she has told me um, about how hard in those early years of grief it was to go and do anything and be anywhere. And one of the reasons she found it so hard to go is that she felt like every time she showed up somewhere, people would stop whatever they were doing and immediately put a look of pity on their face. 
And she said it just felt like she was wearing a sign that said, when you see me, you must be very sad and very somber and speak to me in a hushed tone. No matter why this woman goes alone to the well in the heat of the day, she is carrying a heavy, empty water jar. And Jesus sees her and asks for a cup of water and she is shocked. Not only is he looking at her, he is talking to her, a woman from Samaria. She can't believe it. And then they strike up a theological conversation about their religious differences. And this is just absolutely unheard of her. And Jesus tells her that if she knew she were really talking to, she'd be asking him for living waters. And she's interested. She'd like some of this living water. And that's when Jesus tells her to go and fetch her husband. Ouch. Just names it. The very thing she probably didn't want anybody to say to her. He just names her painful, shameful truth. The kind of truth that actually could probably make a woman walk alone in the heat of the day to a well. That living water goes straight to her deepest, darkest wound. I don't have a husband. He knows. Five husbands and the one she's living with is not her husband. Now this woman has been the topic of many a sermon on sin and promiscuity. She has been called all kinds of names throughout history. But was she really a woman looking for a husband upgrade 2.0 or 5.0 in her case? Really unlikely. She had no rights. Women could not ask for a divorce or get a divorce. Only a male could. Uh, little to no autonomy in her life. She would be dependent upon her male relatives. And marriages were largely arranged. Maybe, perhaps, she had simply outlived, suffered loss after loss after loss. It's worth noting here that when Jesus encounters the woman who's about to be stoned to death, caught in adultery, he does tell her, go and sin no more. But he says no such thing today to the woman at the well. No matter what has brought her to this place, it's pretty clear to me that she is a woman who has had to endure. She comes to that well carrying a whole lot more than empty jars. She's in pain. She's hurting. And Jesus sees her. He sees the weight of what she is carrying, all the pain, all the suffering, and her loss. And here's one reason I happen to think we like this story. I think on some level, we all recognize how powerful it is to be seen and heard. And actually, maybe not even just seen and heard, but to be seen and heard and still loved, still forgiven. Jesus sees her, not her good parts, not her Instagram self, not the places that she wanted people to think about her. He sees to the truth and the hardship of her life, her pain, her heartache. You know, how many times has someone ever asked you, how are you? And you say, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm great, and you are 
anything but good or fine or great. You know, there was a season in my own life where I heard myself doing that. And I thought, this, this feels too much like a lie to say that. And so I, I decided my answer to how are you was going to be, I'm okay. And here's the truth. That even felt like a lie. I remember someone sharing with me that the very first time she truly began to believe that she might get well after a struggle with addiction is the very first time she ever said out loud to someone else, I need help. I'm addicted. I can't stop. When she actually said that out loud to someone, she began to just feel lighter just by saying it. She could already feel the weight of that burden start to lift. And the truth is, what she noticed is that every time she said out loud to somebody else her truth, her pain, what she found is that other people responded with, me too, me too, I've been there, I know that pain. And those words, hearing those words can be so powerful because we realize that we are not as alone as we think we are. And I wonder if we are drawn to this same story for many of the same reasons. Maybe for us it isn't a ton of marriages, but at some point in our lives, I think we all might know what it feels like to feel alone. To feel like maybe no one really, truly knows how hard it is, how heavy that burden we are carrying feels. The pain, the heartache, the cracks within us that we keep trying to put band-aids on that are just too small for the pain. And so instead, how are you? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. We're not. I remember one minister saying that she always thought with this story that the empty water jar that this woman carries is a metaphor for all that we think will quench our thirst but never actually does. She writes, oh my gosh, do I have some water jars I need to forget about. Things I, will, I think will make me whole, hide my wounds. Make me lovable. I need those jars just to slip from my hand without even caring they are gone. What about us? What about you? Got any old water jars you're still carrying around? Weighing you down? What if today Jesus is inviting you to start to let them go? The Samaritan woman met a Jesus who loved her even when she didn't love herself. The Jesus who crossed all bounds just to let you know that you are seen and loved. That you aren't ever alone. Because after she meets Jesus at the well, she drops those old water jars and she goes running to tell others about it. She doesn't need those jars anymore. She has found living waters in Jesus Christ. 
And I didn't read this today, but if you keep on reading in John chapter 4, in verse 39, she is mentioned again. And it says, many came to believe in Jesus because of the Samaritan woman's testimony. Many came to believe. That same woman who wanted to be alone at the well, that same woman who walked in the heat of the day to avoid people goes running to tell others her story. She actually says, come and meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. He didn't, did he? But it must have felt like that. It must have felt like that. At church, the good news, the really good news for you and for me is that he's still coming to lonely wells in the heat of the day to find us, still seeking. Your well might not look like a well. Could be at the hospital room, could be sitting in the driveway at your house in your car, could be standing at the cemetery, sitting in the back of a police cruiser, or even sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. He still seeks us. And the good news is that there is no bounds he wouldn't cross to find you. He sees us, our cracks and all, and there's no shame too big, no pain so great, no grief so hidden that the living waters of Jesus Christ can't still find you. So what are we waiting for? Haven't you heard? Drop the water jars and go. Amen.